welcome you guys. Let's go ahead and pray, and we will get into our study today. Jesus, thank you so much for your word, and in all humility, Lord, your grace is sufficient, Lord, and your mercy towards us, your love. Thank you for providing your word toward to us, Lord. Thank you for um, all of the things that you do in our lives, Lord, behind the scenes that we don't even see, Lord. Lord, you hold our life in your hands. And I just pray, Father, that for, for all of hers, Lord, um, Lord, there's folks that come to mind that we've talked to over the last two years out here, and I just pray that you'd be with them in a great way, Lord. Um, thank you for each and every person here today. Thank you for those who are online either fellowship here or visiting for the first time, Lord. I just ask that you meet their needs, Lord. God, I, I confess at times, Lord, I, I struggle in my mind about things, and it just shows that the more I, I need you more every day, Lord. I need to submit to you more and more in my thinking and my attitude, Lord. And if I deal with those things, I know others do too. I thank you that your word tells us that we're not alone in this, in this thing called life. We're not alone in this thing called Christianity. Um, thank you for what you have chosen to do through your church. And when I say that... Um, I mean, not a building, but your people. And so we just lift up the body of Christ, Lord, that you would strengthen it, that you would empower it, that you would continue to save people, Lord. It's kind of weird saying that, Lord. You, that's your whole purpose. You have a desire for people to come to know you beyond even us, wanting that to see happen. Lord, just lift up family and friends, Lord, that may be dealing with health issues right now, Lord. Thank you so much, God. Just protect those that are driving in the rain and whatnot. Thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives, Lord. Just as we look at the beginning of Galatians here, I pray that you would teach us, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you'd minister to us. And I pray for the children's ministry too today, that you would just pour into the young minds and hearts of these kids that are here. Lord, that none of us would miss out on what you have for us today, Lord, in this moment in time. In Jesus' name, amen. So it had been a while since I would started another book. Like I mentioned before, we were in Acts for a year and a few months, actually. And um, it's good to go through God's Word verse by verse. Um, we want to you know, uh, give room for the Holy Spirit to teach us and minister to us through His Word and not through, you know, a person's concept of God or, um, you know, some, some eloquent speech or anything of that nature. And so today's kind of going to be an introduction to Galatians. We will get to verse 1 through 5, Lord willing. Um, but uh, just wanted to kind of give an overview of the book of Galatians. Um, also, last week, you know, you, you don't ever want to start a message with an apology, but I'm going to. Last week, I uh, did two things that 
um, were bothering me, and somebody mentioned to me, don't ever do that again, Brian. I have a great accountability partner in my father. He listens to these messages, and um, my mom has MS, and if she, you know, didn't, they'd be here, you know, but uh, it's hard for her to get around and stuff, and so um, anyways, last week I counted the Old Testament books one by one, <laughs> and... <laughs> You're like, don't you know those things by heart? You would think I do, and I'll kind of give a reason for that. So I, last Sunday morning, I, the Lord, I got up really early, and the Lord put on my heart that I needed to give context, you know, to what was going on with Paul, and to doing that, I needed to give reference to what um, the Old Testament was, being the Law of Moses and the, and the prophets. And I didn't, I, 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 I didn't have any notes written down, and my mind is a little decrepit because of my young adult years um, of abuse, honestly. And so sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And so I apologize for doing that. That was one thing that I was told to me. Don't ever do that again, Brian. <laughs> and so, and then, and then the other thing that, that um, the Lord brought me to mention was what had happened um, in the upper room and I said that at about 150 were there. Well, Scripture tells us in Acts 115 that it was about 120. And so, um, and, I, and I want you guys to know, and maybe, take, maybe, maybe this is why the Lord wanted me to mess up this way or by His grace allowed me to, to, I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying in regards to that, but it's important to know that when people stand up and read the Word, that it's accurate. Um, and so, maybe this is, you know, a lesson, you know, for, for you all, like, use that as the idiot filter, okay? Seriously, um, just because, you know, somebody has a title of pastor or teacher, whatever it is, or stands up at a pulpit, we automatically think, you know, you know, um, educated leader kind of thing, you know? Um, and so, a lot of people claim to be teaching God's word appropriately or claim that God gave them a word or claim certain things. But if it's not in the word of God and it's not lined up with what scripture says, then it's false. And so we always want to make sure that, and my own, my own pastor, Damian Modesto, he would say, this is, this is the idiot filter, literally. Like, we can have so many concepts. Even me, myself, I'm always challenged with that. I'll get in dialogues about stuff, and then I have to go to the word. And the Lord's like, no, that was your concept of this, but this is what it really means. And we, we have to be willing to be moldable by God's word. We don't mold God's word to us. A lot of people do that. They want to tailor, you know, um, what they share from the, 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 the microphone in a church to their own concept or their own mindset. But the Bible needs to tailor us. Because then we'll actually be able to walk in the truth of God's word, in the light of God's word. This, his word is a lamp unto our feet, which symbolizes that without it, we're in darkness. And so, it, <laughs> thank you, Lord. So it, what's fascinating too is that, um, and I'll get to this in Galatians, uh, you know that uh, we finished Acts. And so if you can put that map up, oh, it's the wrong map. D uh, no, we're, uh, let's see, we're gonna use this, uh, yeah, we'll use this. And is this on the full screen for those online? If you could do that, that'd be great, Jacob. So for us here, you guys see where Galatia is? Okay, this is this right up here. 
this section here. That's, that's the area that Paul had gone through. This line right here is his you know, ship journey to Rome, but Paul went through this area here. Sorry that I didn't put this other map up. He, he, he went through this area twice, two missionary journeys um, to, to, to that portion of Asia. And, and Galatia was one of those areas. And, and when Paul went, Paul evangelized. He, he shared the truth of Jesus. He shared about the gospel. He shared about the kingdom of God. Um, and, and, and people gave their life to the Lord. They made a decision. They, 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 they decided to follow the truth of who Jesus is through the ministry of Paul. And, and out of that, a church was planted. Paul would be there for a while and then, hey, then he'd, he, the Lord, he'd have to move on. His, his God, you know, some people plant churches, some people are evangelists, some people travel and some people stay and, 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 and feed the sheep. And so Paul, would, Paul traveled on these missionary journeys. He had a few of them and, and, and the churches of Galatia uh, were, were established. And so we get into, um, and, and as we finished Acts, you know, through Paul's ministry, the, la- the second portion of Acts was about Paul's ministry to the Gentiles. And so um, the, the, the book of Galatians, it's a letter. It's a letter from Paul to this church body, to the churches in Galatia. And this letter actually is kind of a reprimand in a sense for them allowing false teachers to come in. And it's funny how the Lord allowed this failure of mine or this mishap of mine to kind of dovetail into the fact that we need to make sure that those who are teaching the word of God are accurate. So praise the Lord for my weaknesses and my failures. We all need to be transparent with those things so that God can work those things out. And I love how... um, the Lord uses the Bible to do that in our lives and how he uses the Holy Spirit allowed these testimonies to be written out for us to look into. And, and let me ask you this question. Has anybody in your life ever tried to take away from truth that God has given you through the word? And not telling you a blatant lie, but adding something false to what you already know to be true in such a way that it would just cloud the facts of what you believe. Not necessarily be direct, but cloud it. So this was happening to the church of Galatia. This morning, we're going to start this journey of reading through the book of Galatians. And, and I just kind of want to give this introduction to it, like I'd mentioned. Like I said, there's a letter that Paul had written. He penned this to them. Um, and today, we're kind of going to go over the who, what, when, where, and why about the book. So this letter, it was written by Paul. His authorship is not in question. As we see the very first word in verse one, his name, Paul. Uh, this was a, ri- a common writing style back then. The author would write who they are at the beginning of their letter. We don't do that nowadays. I don't say, I, Brian, blah, 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 to you, dear Gina. That's not how we write letters anymore. And so we see here in Paul's epistles, this, it, he does this in all of his books when it's written by him. Um, and so <clears throat> I'm also going to reference uh, some, some of the items that I'm going to reference today are from one of the commentaries that I use. I don't usually do this. I don't do a lot of heavy 
statements from commentaries usually, um, but I haven't memorized all the historical facts about Galatia and the book of Galatians, and so there's some portions here that I'm going to read that I did copy, and I just want to let you know, so no plagiarizing. I'm not claiming this for myself. So here's an interesting bit of history. A large percentage of English-speaking peoples, as well as many French people, are of Celtic origin. Some of us may know that. That is Scottish, Irish, and Welsh. These ethnic groups especially will be fascinating. In other words, if you're Scottish, Irish, or Welsh, you might find it interesting that one of Paul's earliest letters was written to your ancestors, the Galatia. It was Celtic or Gaul. It's interesting. And all, all those words, Galatia, Celtic, Gaul, those are all related words. The area today would be Turkey. Uh, the epistle or letter, that's what an epistle means, it's a letter, to the Galatians fulfills a crucial role in early Christianity. This book, Galatians, is stern. Okay, Paul is very floral in his introduction to his books. He's very loving. He's very passionate. He's not angry. He's not this hammered down kind of guy. If you go and you read his books, he's very passionate about explaining his love and concern and prayers for people. But in Galatia, he, he takes this very stern stance towards them. He has this impassioned effort to save Christianity from just being a messianic sect of legalistic Judaism. See, that's what, if, if you know your church history about the law of Moses, the law, if you read it, it tells you that your sin is sinful and that it condemns sin. That's what the law does. It doesn't give us a way for salvation. Jesus fulfilled that law by coming and, and walking. He, he was the Messiah, fulfilled all the prophecies and scriptures. He died on the cross for us willingly, shed his blood, being that perfect lamb sacrifice that God demanded for the remission of sins, was buried, and then three days later, God raised him from the dead, proving that death and sin were not in control, and that he was God, because only God can forgive sin, and only God can bring back life because he's the author of life. And so we see here that when, 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 when the commentator writes this and says that Christianity, he's saving Christianity from becoming just a messianic sect of legalistic Judaism. The legalistic Judaism would be, you have to do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this. There's no grace and mercy. There's no sacrificial blood of the lamb Messiah covering you. It would be it, only, it would be Jesus plus this, okay? That's not the gospel. It would be Jesus and tithe or you're going to hell. That's not the gospel. It would be Jesus and show up to church a certain time when it rains. That's not the gospel. It would, anything that says Jesus and Pertaining to salvation is not truth pertaining to the gospel. And so Paul writes this very stern letter because he was so loving and this was his you know, church that, that the Lord allowed him to plant. 
And, he, and, and this letter pertains to how the Galatians themselves re- reacted. We don't know, I'm sorry, we don't know how the Galatians reacted to this letter, but the gospel of grace apart from the works of the law, in other words, it, it triumphed. In other words, the works of the law that showed us that our sin was absolutely sinful and that we were literally had nothing inside of us to be able to satisfy the requirement that God required for us to be right with him. The law showed us that, that we couldn't do that. But the grace of God that was shown to us through Jesus, through the work of the cross, through Christ's willing sacrifice for us, taking our place, that's God's grace, unmerited favor towards us. And that's what triumphed. And Christianity went on to become a global faith. See, that's what was at hand, the truth of who Jesus was, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the grace of God being poured out upon mankind through God's son, Jesus. This letter, uh, it's believed to possibly be written around AD 48. It's believed that the Galatians could have been, that Galatians could have been written during Paul's second missionary journey when he was coming from the area of Corinth. And so during his early missionary journey, the Apostle Paul visited Asia Minor, like I put up on that map there, preaching the glorious message that salvation is by faith in Christ alone. That's why I wore this t-shirt today. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's it. That's how we're saying, that's it. That's the focus. The focus always needs to be Jesus in his church. The Bible is focused on Jesus. When the birth of Jesus happened. What happened to, 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 to the shepherds that were watching over the sheep? What, did they get an email? No. Did they get some little, you know, quiet notice? No. Hark the herald angels sing, right? Could you imagine a plethora of angels that filled this whole property with such a bright light that it would cause fear because we'd never seen anything like that that was proclaiming that God's son was born. This is what happened when Jesus was an infant, a a newborn. All of heaven rejoiced when Christ was born. Jesus needs to be the center of the believer, needs to be the center of our life. Many of Paul's hearers were saved. The churches were formed. Several of them, like what we're looking at, is in, were in Galatia. The inhabitants of Galatia were known to be restless, warlike, and changeable. You ever done history on Celts? After Paul had left this area, listen, you guys, and this is from the Believer's Bible Commentary. False teachers entered the churches and introduced wrong doctrine. They taught that salvation was by faith in Christ plus keeping the law. Their message was a mixture of Christianity and Judaism, of grace and law, of Christ and Moses. They also tried to turn Galatians away from Paul, saying that he was not a genuine apostle of the Lord, and therefore his message was not reliable. They sought to destroy confidence in the message 
by undermining confidence in the message and confidence in the messenger. Many of the Galatian Christians were affected by their evil suggestions. It's interesting that the commentator uses that word evil. It's a destructive word. When somebody comes in and tries to tell you that what the Bible speaks about is untrue, it's absolutely evil and destructive because our life, our soul's life, you all have a soul. Our soul's life depends on the truth of God's word being part of us. People can acknowledge that God exists. You ever gone out and shared about anything? I talk to people, you know, on the streets here and there and, and they're like, oh yeah, man, praise God, I know God. They know of God, but does God know them? I mean, really know them. Like Gina's song that was sang today, really know you, to really know the Lord. I didn't mean to say your song, but you know what I mean. That song is like, I want to know you. It's like there's this crying out, this desire to know God. And I love how the word of God has 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 endured time and endured evil and endured hatred. And I love how there's been men and women who have stood up for the truth of God's word, even in adversarial situations and even said the hard things to people. And Paul was one of them. And we can take that and go, you know what? Lord, I, I wanna be this way. I wanna be able to stand for your truth. I wanna be able to understand when somebody comes in and, and, and that's why when a Jehovah's Witness, you know, or a Mormon, or anybody else coming and bringing something other than Jesus and saying that it has to do with God or that it's a great thing or it's adding to your life supernaturally. It's a false doctrine and it's evil. And literally, I might even go as far as that it's from hell itself because Satan has been trying to destroy this gospel from the very beginning. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. Satan thought he won. He thought he won when Jesus was crucified. We have chairs falling over outside. It's okay. As long as trees aren't, we're good. No, don't say that. But that's what's at stake here. You know, whenever, whenever you know, someone comes to my door and they're peddling, and I've said this before, it's demonic, and I've, I've been reprimanded. Well, that's not that. You know, you're calling them that. No, it is. If something draws somebody away from the true and living God, which means that their soul hangs in the balance, that's the issue. Eternity is the issue here is what we're talking about, okay? We need to open up the Word of God and say, is this what the Word of God says? And read it. I think sometimes we try and I, I, I feel because of my place in life of being a pastor, I need to know this and memorize it. Instead, I should just open it up when I, and I got a phone that has an app and I could search a word because I really am dumb. I'm honest with you guys. I'm glad for a search bar in my Bible app. My math teacher, when I was a kid, she used to commend me because I'd take my math home, work home. This is like elementary, super elementary, young. And she'd say, Brian, you're so smart. You take your math home and you use your calculator and you come back. I guess I was smart then. <laughs> but we need to make sure that God's word is what the foundation is when it comes to these things. Mm -hmm. 
Commentator continues and says, what sorrow and disappointment must have filled Paul's heart when such news from Galatia reached him. Had his labors among these people been in vain? Could the Christians still be rescued from these Judaistic legalistic teachings? Paul was stirred to swift and decisive action. He took up his pen and wrote this, listen, indignant letter to his beloved children in the faith. In it, he sets forth the true character of salvation as being given by grace from beginning to end. That's so important. When we really look at this word grace, it should humble us because it literally means that God has given something to us that he is in control of, that we have no control over. And in spite of our failures and our sinful nature, he is still willingly handing it to us to be part of our lives. And I look at that, and, I, and that, that word grace, you know, we, it, we're so dumbed down by it. We say grace for dinner. We say grace for this, you know, you know, God bless and grace and peace to you, you know, all these things. But when we really look at the totality of what this means, this meant that all the years and years and years and years and years and years of trying to please God through, through a legal process, the Old Testament, that God did away with that. You know, last week I mentioned this, when, when in, in, in the temple they had this holy of holies and then the holy, and the, ho the holy of holies where the ark was in the holy place, right? And there was a curtain separated. When Jesus Christ died, that curtain was ripped in two, which means that we have 100% access to the true and living God. It, he did away with the priestly process of having to get to God. That's why Catholicism is farce. It's not a true religion, that's why anything that says there's, you have to jump through this hoop and this hoop and this hoop or do this, this, and this to get to God, and it doesn't have to do with believing that what the Bible says about who Jesus is and what he did on the cross, and, and, and literally, in Romans, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. It's simple, and we try and cloud it. And so the Galatians had this relationship with God and these other people came in and Paul heard about it and he's like, heck no. I'm gonna stand up for the truth and teach my children because they're his kids, if you think about it. They were, they were, it was a flock that, that, that the Lord had allowed him to start. And a good pastor teacher in your life will stand up to the lies in your life and tell you the truth about what needs to be said. I've had, some hard I've had some real hard things told to me by pastors in my growing years. I'm still growing. I still need hard things told to me. And we can either listen or not. It's interesting how the Lord allowed Paul not only to plant these churches, but then to have these letters of, of correction and love written to them. And so we start now again in Galatians chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. I'm going to finish this one statement left in this commentary. God, good works are not a condition of salvation, but a fruit of it. The Christian has died to the law. He leads a life of holiness, not by his own efforts. Listen, you guys, we can't live a life of holiness by our own efforts but by the power of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. There's a real live action that God is doing in our life and he wants us to be dependent upon him. And so we, we pick up in Galatians chapter one, 
verse 1 through 5. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So in this, these first five verses, Paul lays out some very critical things. And in, in this first verse, we see that it's written by him. He says, Paul, he's an apostle. And we see that the deity of Christ is both stated and implied. It is stated with the words, not through man, but through Jesus Christ. And it is implied by the way in which Paul links together Jesus Christ and God the Father. He's putting them on an equal playing field with one another. And then God the Father is mentioned as the one who raised Jesus from the dead. And I want you to focus here for a second, that word through, okay? We don't speak like this in our, la in our language anymore, really. But that word through could be translated as because of. It shows where the power of the action comes from. Because of. Paul, an apostle, not from men, because of man, but because Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. See, Paul was sent to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was not sent through man, but through Jesus himself. On the road to Damascus, Jesus Christ came to Paul. It was through Christ himself that Paul was commissioned to go. It was not through man. Man did not give Paul this, nor did it come through man. Man was not the cause nor the power of this happening. And that needs to be the reality in us as believers as well. It needs to be the reality in, in every church that it's not man's design. The church is not supposed to be designed by us human beings in such a way that when the world, we see entertainment in the world and we look at a church and if entertainment is what is the stamp of approval for a person at a church, then they're not there for the right reasons. We need to be praying that, that, that the fellowship of believers, that people come in contact with the true and living God because Jesus is the focus. Jesus is is the catalyst. Jesus is the reason that things happen through people and in our relationship with God and in the church. It's easy for us to put the focus on man, to put the focus on our own abilities. I love that about Paul. He always put the focus on the Lord. We need to do the same in our own lives. It was through Jesus Christ this occurred because Jesus Christ himself made this happen. That's what Paul's saying, that it was through Jesus Christ that he was an apostle. That word apostle, a messenger, sent by God, that's what that means. It was through Jesus that he was this apostle sent by God to preach the gospel. See, Paul was breaking down where his authority comes from. See, if I stood up here with my authority, I would never, ever, 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 ever in my life go plant a church, ever, ever. I am faced every day, and you may be too, in your walk with God, the reality of failure, disappointment, fears, all these things that we deal with as human beings. 
And when we stop and we, and, and we let God be the God of our life, and then, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm just, I'm just take a step of faith. Will you help me? And then the Lord takes care of the rest. So Paul's breaking down where his authority comes from. Man is extremely limited and wishy-washy. I'm, I'm, I'm wishy-washy. Ask my wife. I go back and forth on things. I'm sure you might too as well. But Jesus Christ is not. He's not wishy-washy. When a person is called by the Lord to go and be his messenger, all of you are messengers of the Lord. There's a freedom to move in that calling. There's no need to fear man or look for approval of man to go and do those things. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, if, you're, if you've submitted yourself under the leadership of a church and you're like, well, pastor, I'm going to start preaching now. I'm not talking about that. But a lot of times we, we wait and we're afraid of acceptance of mankind to be able to walk out the calling that God has on our life and we don't ever take a step, ever. Paul's stating here that his ministry is literally from Jesus and that it's only from him and it's not even from man whatsoever. And there's no fear in man. There's freedom in Jesus when we walk in this way, when we have this understanding of our relationship with God and how he can use us. See, the approval was, has already been granted by God to go. To go and share the loving truth of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of us have that in our life. If we have a true relationship with Jesus, there is nothing stopping us from sharing the truth of Christ with those around us. I might even say fear, maybe only fear of, of acceptance, fear of not speaking right, fear of doing something wrong, fear of, you know, it, it, fear stops us from operating. There's freedom in the gospel. There's freedom in Jesus. Did you know that each and every person, see, my testimony is chaotic, okay? And I've shared my testimony before, and people are like, well, I, I was not that kind of person, and God did not set me free from that. And I'm like, praise the Lord, you didn't have to deal with what I had to deal with. All of us have a testimony if the Lord is in our life. All of us do. Of God doing a great work to set you free from sin and death. It's amazing. It should fill us up with joy and gratitude. It should empower us. When a person senses this call, that tug, that moment in time when they know that they are to step out in faith to serve the Lord, they know that it is from God. The only rational thing to do next is to step out in faith as the Lord leads and go. It's a process. And Paul knew who he was in the Lord and where his authority came from. And that's important that we know who we are in Jesus and where our authority comes from. It needs to come from him through his word, not from other men or from other concepts when it comes to the things of the Lord. And we see here in verse two, and all the brethren, he continues, who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. So then he stops. He talks about who he is, where his authority is, 
not of man, and that there's brethren with him. We see that there were other brethren with Paul, and that this letter is to the churches of Galatia. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. There's that word, grace. Grace is, un, is God's undeserved kindness toward ungodly sinners. That's all of us, okay? Without God, we're not godly. Without a relationship with Jesus, we can't please God. All of us, God's word says, all of us have fallen short of his glory. Like we, the, the gospel needs to be preached to each of us every day when we wake up, Lord, I need you. We, we work in my life. And even when you fail that, man, I love, if you make a mistake, if you've sinned in a way that you know is wrong, right? It, confess it to the Lord. Lord, I confess whatever it is. God's word said he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I can't do that for me. My wife can't do that for me. My friends can't do that for me. I could tell people all day long issues in my life. And I could feel good that I got it off my chest, but until I get right with the true and living God, the only one who can bring this peace to my life, that's who we need to be talking to. So Paul writes this, grace to you and peace from God, the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says this word grace, this, he says undeserving kindness towards sinners, ungodly sinners, and peace, this word peace is the result of grace. When we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have peace with God. Without Jesus Christ in our lives, no one will experience the peace with God. You won't have peace with him. It's impossible. Some people may know, say they know God, but without Jesus being the Lord of their life, there's no peace from God. So grace and peace go hand in hand. Verse four, and he said, Paul continues to write about Jesus, who gave himself for what? Our sins, that he might, there's that word, deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So we see here, that Christ gave himself for our sins. He answered the sin issue that's plagued mankind and still plagues mankind. If he did this, then there is nothing we can do to add to this or take away from this work. There's nothing you can add or take away from it because Jesus willingly died for you and me. When Jesus died on the cross, he thought about and put your name in there and think about whatever in your life that you think is keeping God from you or has kept God from you in your past and the Lord sees it because God sees all things all at once. Can you imagine? The whole world, every single human being ever born or going to be born, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he saw everything in their life. Their sin of the world was on them. I don't know if you saw that, but the sin of the world was upon him. That's how agonizing, that's why his heart broke. heart broke when this 
javelin was shoved into his side. To, they'd do that in the crucifixion. They'd either break their legs or they'd, they, and, 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 and no bone was broken on Christ. And so they shoved this javelin aside and what came out was plasma and blood. It separated, it showed a broken heart. Jesus willingly died for us. There's nothing we can do to add or take away from this work. We're not able to satisfy what only God could do in and through his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary. Jesus Christ willingly, like I mentioned, gave his life for you. He took your place. He took my place, the place of death, the requirement of sin. Jesus Christ did this not for any other reason, but to set you free and to deliver you from this present age. This includes not only the moral and political corruption of this age, but also the religious world which mixes rituals and ceremonies with faith in Christ, which is considered false doctrine and a false gospel. We're not saved through rituals or ceremonies. It's by grace through faith in Christ alone. That's how we're saved. It's an amazing thing. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, where this shirt was made from, says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. In other words, because of your faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I love that. In God's economy, he's saying it doesn't matter what you think you can do to earn my love and trust. You can never outlove me. You can never outwork me. You can never outgrace me. You can never outmercy. You can never outdo God, ever, when it comes to his love and consideration for us as his creation. He loves us so desperately. We see here in verse 4, this reminder that, that God is not interested in improving the world. He's not interested in making America great again. That's not what he's interested in. We might want it to be that way, but that's not God's agenda. He's not interested in making people comfortable in the world. But he's interested in delivering us all from the world. See, this world's temporary. One day it's going to be rolled up like a scroll. Our main concern should line up with God's. This should be our focus, which is salvation. Should be our focus, Jesus. Verse 5, we see here that all glory for man's salvation goes to God the Father and to the Lord Jesus Christ. God doesn't share his glory with anybody. And we cannot share this glory either as some sort of co-savior by keeping the law. And I'm not saying, you know, grace is just this trump card, you know, where I can just do whatever I want. It's by God's grace, man. That's not implying to anybody. That's how my life used to be. Amen. I don't know if people know that I used to be a very crazy drug addict many years ago. And it's by grace that I'm here, literally. And you can take whatever issue in your life, and you're here because it's by God's grace. 
But there was nothing I could do to save myself, and that had been proven all over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it's, now it's just other issues in my life that God's continuing to work in my life to make me more like Jesus. And he, he so lovingly reminds me, and it's not, Brian, you failed and you're an idiot and you're never going to grow. It's, Brian, I love you and keep going and keep praying and keep talking to me. Keep seeking me. Keep reading the word. Don't stop. Maybe that's what the Lord's speaking to you today. I don't know. But God's not going to share his glory. So Paul established his authority as an apostle and his gospel of grace of God. Next week, we'll continue to read how Paul addresses this problem at hand in the Galatian church. The next verse is pretty heavy that he writes to them. And I want to leave you with this. This is Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. And this is Jesus speaking. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 19. Then he said to them, being Jesus, I want you guys to listen to this. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Now, if you do a study on this, they probably knew who Jesus was. It wasn't just this immediate, hey. But the context here, I want, that this always sticks out to me and I want to share this with you. What's the catalyst for these people to follow Christ? He just said, follow me. And what did they do? They did, they followed him. And you'll hear me because I'm passionate about people being encouraged to share Christ with others. Your job as the church is to share Christ with others. My job is to encourage you to go out and do that. I don't have a passion to fill these seats with 100 people and buy big buildings and all that stuff. I would rather see people be caught up by the power of the Holy Spirit and give their lives a unashamedly over to the Lord and go plant a church somewhere or go do a home Bible study or go set up a stand and, and, and tell people about Jesus because this world is warring against people so heavily and man, there's so much at stake and people are so hungry for hope. And I took this, this, this is my life first actually. My aunt gave this to me when I was a young kid. I wasn't going to say that because I don't want to focus on me. But Matthew 4, 19 is, is my life verse. Then he, then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And it's so important for us to understand that as we follow Jesus, he is making us into something that we can never do ourselves. And that's what Paul is advocating here for the Galatians. Follow Jesus. Don't make anything else be a part of that, but follow him. Don't stray away from what the teachings of the Lord are. Don't stray away from the word. So many things call out for our attention. We need to let the Lord be number one in our lives. If there's, you know, if you guys need prayer for anything today, please avail yourself. We'll be happy to pray for you. Um, come back tonight for prayer. I know you're like, pray and pray? What, what is this? But um, if you've never come to a prayer and worship service, it's just a short moment in time, man, that we gather together, Lord willing. Um, we'll be here tonight at six and we'll have communion set up. We'll be able to take communion during worship and spend time at the Lord's feet and uh, see what the Lord wants to do. But if anyone has any prayer needs immediately, uh, you know,
come see me or Gina or one of the other leaders here. Um, we'll be happy to pray for you. And if anybody online needs prayer, please message us and we'll pray for you as well. Um, let me go ahead and close. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the patience of the hearers. Oh, Lord, thank you for your grace. Just ask God that you would continue to move in our lives as you see fit. Continue to draw us unto you. Continue to um, move us from, from lesson to lesson, Lord. Thank you so much for the word of God and that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And you know how to speak to us, Lord, through it. Lord, I pray that anything that I may have said that's not of you, that you'd just burn it up, Lord. Um, and anything that is of you, that you, it would stick in our lives and our hearts and minds, God. Thank you so much. Continue to just um, call us by your side, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen us in areas of our lives that need strength and that where we need to claim that we're weak, I pray that you would help us not be prideful, God, and not be able to say, Lord, I'm weak, I need help. Thank you so much for your mercy and grace, Lord. Continue to work in our lives as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen.